pastor elders here as well. And I also just want to greet you. Thank you for being here. We love the word at Trinity and we love to preach the word. And so I hope your Bibles are open. I hope your hearts are hungry and we're going to dive right in. So this morning, the title of the sermon is Reactions in Babylon. What we're going to see in chapter two is there's a whole lot of reacting going on by all the players, if you will. Um, and we're going to tick through that. At this point, um, you, to be reminded from last week, the young men, Daniel and, and friends, if you will, um, they've done really well. Um, they didn't conform to Babylon's pressure, and yet they have served the king. Um, it's, it's good for us to notice that they didn't start a revolt. There's no picketing going on in Babylon by these Hebrew young men. They, they're not mocking the king. Um, they've put their heads down and they've served the king while being faithful to the Lord. Um, and they're being faithful to whom the Lord has appointed them under. God is at work in the kings and kingdoms of this world. God is at work in the good days and the bad days. Daniel can speak to that. God is at work in the lives of his people. We live in this kingdom, the kingdom of man, and yet we live for another king and for another kingdom. The kingdom of our God. This world is our Babylon. It desires to take us into its clutches, into its captivity, and then conform us. It's what we were seeing last week in chapter 1. Yet we too have the opportunity in our day to put our head down and work in this kingdom in such a way that honors our king and his kingdom, our King Jesus. Daniel 2 shows us something about the kingdoms of man and the kingdom of God. One kingdom will fall. Another kingdom will live forever. The other uh, kingdom of which we are a part of, will grow and rise, and its triumph literally will have no end to it. And so chapter 2, as I mentioned, is filled with all these reactions. Everybody's reacting in this chapter, and it's from these reactions that we're going to actually unpack the chapter. Those reactions that we'll look at in the chapter is going to help us then to instruct us in ours. Our reactions. How do we respond? How do we react to Daniel chapter 2? We're actually going to need three weeks to cover chapter 2. The original plan is we're going to do it in a week. And the more we kind of got into it, the more we just need to take our time. So we're going to take three weeks in chapter 2. Let's dive in. Point number one. The nightmare that is the king has everyone reacting. See, there are, there are two nightmares in Daniel chapter 2. Uh, the first nightmare is the dream that came to the king. The second nightmare is the king. Two nightmares in this chapter. This world, as I mentioned, is our Babylon, and nightmares exist all around us. We shouldn't be surprised. 
we live in a fallen world. Every day is another day of a potential nightmare. We have nightmare news. We have nightmare politics. We have a nightmare of government. We have nightmare of leadership. We have a nightmare of leaders, politicians, kings, call them what you will. King Nebuchadnezzar is the nightmare of nightmares. Listen, when your king is a nightmare, you better know the king of kings. And I don't mean to know him casually. I don't mean that you just kind of know Jesus is king. But I mean to know Jesus. To know who he is. It's why we often emphasize here at Trinity, study who God is. Study the character of God. Study the attributes of God. Daniel is a study in the attributes of God. So we come to verse 1. Let's look here. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. He, he had dreams and such that were such that he couldn't sleep. His, his sleep left him. I want you to think about this for a moment. God reveals his glory. God reveals his kingdom. God is revealing himself. Think about who he reveals himself to. To a secular, anti-God king. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) A king who's absolutely full of himself. We covered that a few weeks ago. Full of himself in the kingdom that he thinks he has built. How amazing is our God that God reveals himself here, not to a prophet, but to a secular king. That's how God demonstrates the vastness of his kingdom, the vastness of his power, the greatness of his glory. God can use a Jeremiah. He does that, right? Or he can use a wicked king like Nebuchadnezzar. And through Nebuchadnezzar and through his dream, he will make himself known in an anti-God culture. You should immediately recognize who is king in Babylon. The book of Daniel should have you thinking, I have faith for our day. I have faith for our day. That's That's how Daniel should instruct your soul this morning. I have faith for our country. I have faith for our rulers because I have this book right here and it's called Daniel that shows me who is king over an anti-God government, kingdom, an anti-God kingdom. One king has dreams. Another king has powers, has the power to give a dream. Who is your God, Trinity, while living in our Babylon under a secular government and an ever-increasing anti-God culture? Who is your God? Who is your king? Are we wringing our hands this morning in fear? Or perhaps are we filled with anger or depression with the state of the anti-God culture in which we live? Let me say something to us this morning. There is a God. There is a king in our Babylon. In this ancient world, dreams were thought to be something that would guide a king. And so it was important for kings, when they had dreams 
um, to, to have it interpreted. It could mean victory. It could mean defeat. And so the king would need to know what's the interpretation of the dream to make appropriate plans for such. So much so that this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has an entire staff of people just for this purpose. They're on the payroll to interpret the dream. That brings us to verse 2. It says, Then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Two kings in Babylon. One king is so powerless that he has a dream and has no clue what it means. Another king is so powerful that he gives a dream, and he will give Daniel the meaning of the dream. One king makes unreasonable demands. We'll see that in a moment. Another king answers Daniel's plea. One king has a nightmare and is a nightmare. Another king is the answer to the nightmare that is life. One king thinks he's powerful and mighty. Another king is powerful and mighty. One king's kingdom will soon fade away. Nebuchadnezzar will go to the grave. The Persians will roll in. The Greeks will follow them and the Romans will follow them. Another king's kingdom is eternal. Who is your king? Who is your king? I promise you, you too will react in Babylon and your reactions will be based upon who is your king. Not who we say our king is, but who it is that rules our hearts and our lives. So let's dig into some of these reactions Secondly, the reaction of the king's men and their king. Let's pick pick up reading in verse number five. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn from limb to limb. A little bit of an overreaction maybe, right? Like everybody's reacting, this king overreacts, all right? I'm going to tear you from limb to limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Wow. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we'll show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty That you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, and this is profound. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Verse four, the reaction of these wise men of the king 
was, oh, king, live forever. Tell us your dream, and we'll interpret it for you. And the king's reaction is, no, you tell me the dream, and tell me the interpretation, and then we can talk. Do that, and I reward you. Don't do that. I tear you from limb to limb. Overreaction. Overreaction in what he's going to do as a result of their failure. But if I could say the king is right in his request, you tell me the dream. If you're such seers and you can tell me the interpretation of the dream, then you can tell me the dream. Let's find out. What are you guys made of? Tell me the dream. Tell me the interpretation of the dream. They're a scam, and I think they know it. It's too much for us, they say in verse 10 and 11. No king. What does he say? He says, no one on earth can do what the king asks. The king has asked for such a thing. He says, it's too difficult. No one can show you this except the gods whose dwelling is, is not with flesh. They say, this is a mystery that's beyond us, O king. You need something otherly. You need the gods, but the gods don't even dwell among us. These guys are more right than they know. Let's pick up in verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. And commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a part of this group. These wise men who are in exile. And they too will be killed as a result of all of this. Point number three. The reaction the reactions of Daniel and Daniel's king, the king of kings. Let's read verse 14. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest, that's common grace, right? With the rest of the wise men of Babylon. At this point in the life of Daniel, I'm thinking, if I'm Daniel, I'm crying uncle, right? Enough, Lord, this is enough. How much has Daniel gone through at this point in his life? Have you ever gotten to that place where you're crying, uncle, Lord, I can't bear up enough. First, for Daniel, it was the destruction of Judah and their homes. It was being dragged away from their families. It was exile into a foreign land. It's really, it's unthinkable for us as Americans living in our country, what we're reading of here. 
Now it's, you're gonna, you're gonna live in exile in this foreign land. We're gonna change your names. We're gonna change everything about your identity. You're gonna, we're gonna pressure you to conform uh, you into us. You're gonna become a Babylonian. You're gonna serve this anti-God king. And now, this king's gonna put us to death. Uncle, enough. And for what? Well, the king had a bad dream. Right? We've got a cranky king. That's for what? Daniel reacts. What is his reaction? Verse 14, it tells us he reacts with prudence and discretion. He asks, verse 15, why so urgent? Verse 16, he asks for some time to make known the dream. Verse 17, he makes the matter known to his friends. They're, they're listed there. His friends are listed there in their Hebrew name. Did you see that? I'm not sure what all is up with that, and I don't want to I don't want to stretch what, what exactly is going on here, but I do, I do want to point out and love the fact he's referring to them as um, they are the chosen people of God. This is the names, your Hebrew names. You go to the Lord as a chosen child of God and call out to him and plea for his mercy. This is your identity, and I want to say that to you today, church. Those of, those of us who are serving God and seeking to follow the Lord, and we would say truly, not just, not just use the, the, the term, I'm a Christian, but to, to be a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. That is your identity. That is who you are. You're a child, son, or daughter of the living King, and it's based on that identity. You call out to your God. Have mercy on me. Lord, deliver us. It says in verse 18 that they would make it known to God. We're going to make it known to you, Lord. We're going to plead for mercy. Lord, deliver us. This is how the follower of God responds in Babylon. Our hope rests in you, Lord. That's what they're saying by their response. Only you can deliver us from this madness from this nightmare that is the king. If you don't move, Lord, we have nowhere else to run. You know, it's easy to trust God when all is well, but can you trust God in an anti-God culture that is hell-bent on killing you for no good reason? That's Daniel. Can you trust God in the uncomfortable moments of life? Can you trust God in those moments when you're just ready to cry uncle? Can you trust God when your footing is knocked out from under you and only the king, only the king of king, king of kings can deliver you from the mess that's in front of you? What does Daniel do? How does he respond? Gather the friends and let's pray, guys. Let's seek the Lord and trust him. What a godly faith-filled response by Daniel. And I just want to say, help me, help us, Lord, to respond in kind. Help us to respond in similar fashion. Less complaining, Tim, and more faith. Less anger and fear and anxiousness, more faith and prayer to the King of Kings. What is God's response in chapter 2? Verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. 
then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. You think so? You think? You think, oh, sometimes the Bible just understates things. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Daniel certainly blessed the God of heaven. The mystery was revealed. That's the response to the king of kings. That's what our God does. He is a mystery revealer. And I'm not talking about, if you will, petty dreams. I'm talking about he is a revealer of himself. He makes himself known. He reveals the mystery. Daniel, it tells us that he, in a vision of the night, I'm going to translate that. I hope I'm not stretching things. I'm going to say Daniel prayed and then he went to sleep. with the threat of death hanging over his head. Not with the mystery revealed at that point. Daniel slept and God delivered. And Daniel's next reaction, verses 19 through 23, Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel's response is one of faith and prayer, and then it responds further in worship because God's response is one of faithfulness and deliverance to those that are his because that is who God is. God is the faithful deliverer, and so that is, shouldn't be surprising to us. That is how God is responding here in the chapter. God's response comes to Daniel and friends because God has a purpose in Babylon. And church, we need to be entirely convinced of this in our day. God has a purpose in Babylon. In the Babylon day in which we live, when we say God is sovereign, we are saying we serve God who has a purpose in our day. We serve a God who does what he does on purpose. And the purpose in Babylon was for the king to not just see the dream and interpretation That's not the purpose of chapter 2, is that the king might see a greater king, God himself. God is making himself known in Babylon, in ancient Babylon, and in Babylon in our day. And I'm going to ask you, do you get this? Do you see the power of God here on the page? Because it's so glorious. The whole event provides a context for God to display his grandeur his glory, his might, that we might look to him and worship him. The sovereignty of God, the vastness of his kingdom, that we might respond, Lord, I want to live for you. What is his reaction, Daniel's? He returned to the Lord in praise. We haven't read it yet. We'll get there. It reminds me of Jesus healing the 10 lepers, Luke 17, to return, to give him thanks. Let us be among the two. The lepers, the healed lepers, let us be among those who recognize I couldn't heal myself. We say, I need God. Well, God came and God moved upon the leper, the leprosy, which is sin, He moved. What is the response to the once sin-filled leper without hope and death, a death sentence hanging over our head? And God came and delivered us. What's the response? Oh, we return to him in worship. He's worthy. Rather than running off to the king, 
Daniel responds in worship and does so, and it's filled with truths about God. Let's go ahead and read these verses, verses 20 through 23. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Just awesome. You literally, if I read that and said we just read Psalm 50, Psalm whatever, you probably wouldn't blink. Here is the Psalm of Daniel, right? Let there be singing that comes from those verses. We're going to take next week just to soak in those verses. We need to take some time there. Can I just briefly say this morning, praise be to God. My future, your future, doesn't lay in the hands of the Babylonian king. Let join with Daniel. Blessed be your name, O God, forever. He says, to whom belongs wisdom and might. We're going to unpack that next week. He changes times and seasons. He says, to say, God is sovereign. He sets up kings He gives wisdom. He reveals deep and hidden things. To you, Lord, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and you have made known to me the mystery of the king. Number four, the reactions of the king's people today and or the gospel according to Daniel. We need to notice first briefly that there's one reaction that I haven't covered. Actually, I didn't cover it because there's not a reaction. Not making any sense, right? Didn't cover the reaction because there is no reaction. Do you, know, do you know the reaction that didn't show up in chapter 2 so far? It's the reaction of the gods. What are, read to me, what is the reaction of the gods? The reaction of the gods is they're silent. There is a non-reaction of the gods in chapter 2. It's beautiful. Because gods don't react. Because gods are silent. (laughs) Because there is only one God. Listen, the gods of this world are silent in the story of your life. They seek to have a voice. But they have no voice. Because they have no power. Because the gods of this world are dead. That statue is dead. That bank account is dead. That career choice, that relationship, they're all powerless in their ability to deliver you from the threat of death that hangs over all of our heads. These gods cannot answer the king. The seers know as much. Powerless to deliver. Powerless to answer the mystery. Because there is only one God who makes known 
the mystery because there is only one God who sovereignly reigns over it all. And that God is not silent. He is a mystery revealer. The king's wise men and their gods are exposed in Babylon. The gods of this world are exposed in our lives. Have you seen that yet? Have you not seen yet that that career, that that relationship, that that money, fill in the blank, none of it answers the mystery of life, the death sentence that stands over us. All of them are completely silent. How silly, how foolish is our sinfulness to look at a bank account and think that's my deliverance. It is silent and powerless. We too are surrounded by the wisdom of this world. And today, like in their day, these wise voices are exposed as a sham. They are completely empty. Governments are empty in their ability to unpack life's mystery and offer you deliverance. DC will fail to get it done in 2024. Politicians, bank accounts, religions of all, all sorts fall short in the promises that they make. But there is one faithful king in our Babylon, only one, who is able to deliver. Jeff Simmons writes, what people need today is not more politics. We have been consumed with politics and yet we struggle in so many places. What the world doesn't need is more technology. We have more technology than ever. And yet our lives are more complicated and stressful than ever. What the world doesn't need is more distractions and entertainment. We have more streaming channels, games, concerts, sports, and events than ever. And yet it is never enough. What our world needs is Jesus. The gods of this world are empty. Because the gods of this world are impotent. They lack the wisdom or ability or even know what the problem is. See, if your problem in this life is relationships, then the God of this world says, this relationship over here is broken, go get another one. If your problem is lack of money, then the richest people of this world ought to be the happiest people of this world. If the problem is this party or that party, then when the other party is in power, all the problems ought to fade away. But our great problem is not money, career, relationships, or politics. Our problem is far greater. And that is the bad news. We have a great sin problem. But the good news is that Christ came to deal with our greatest problem. The death sentence that hangs over our head. Christ died on the cross to end our great problem. You see, we too have a mystery before us. Paul speaks in those terms. The New Testament speaks in those terms, the mystery. The word tells us, the New Testament shows us that the mystery is no longer a mystery. (laughs) I love that. The mystery is no longer a mystery because the mystery was made known in Christ. Christ is the fulfillment, if you will, of the mystery. The mystery of salvation came. In human flesh. To not be hidden or in some way I got to figure out, got to decode the mystery. Now, 
He came in flesh to free us from all doubt and uncertainty and free us from the empty gods, the silent gods of this world. The Lord makes himself known to us. The mystery is revealed to us, not by a dream, but by something far more miraculous. Jesus came and he died. And now the mystery has been made known to us by the Spirit via the Word. So how do we respond? What is our response in Daniel chapter 2? Firstly, put your hope in God, in the living God, as you live in Babylon today. Put your hope in the living God as you live in Babylon today. Two crowds. You're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I say thank you so much for being here? So glad that you're here. So glad that you would sit and hear the word of God preached. Here's the thing. You have a death sentence hanging over your head. That's scripture. The wages of sin is death. You can repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can literally do that where you sit, as you sit. Second crowd, to the believer, for us, repent and stop trusting in the gods of this world. Say, I'm not trusting in the gods of this world. Let's, let's evaluate our hearts a little more critically than that. Because the fear and the anxiousness and the angst and maybe even the anger and the picketing and I don't know, and it just goes on and on and on. It reveals something about what or who we trust in living in our Babylon. You serve a better king than the silent gods. Let that truth alone move you to then respond in these further ways. Number two, dive into the word of God. Dive into the word of God. Hear me. All the young people in the room, actually don't just hear me. Can I ask all those who are teenagers down, would you please stand for a moment? I want all the teens, so 19 and down. Just stay standing for just a minute. Thank you guys for being here. All right, first of all, thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks for leaning into the preaching of God's word. Here's the thing about Daniel. Daniel's a young man at this point. Most of the Old Testament scholars, they would put him as a teenager. He's one of you. And here's the thing about him. He knows the word of God. He's rooted Not in the gods of this world, but he's rooted in God's word. Granted, it was much smaller than what we have today. He didn't have the New Testament. But he knew God's word. He had been taught. And he had stored these things away. And now in exile, you look at his response. And I just want to encourage you young people who are standing. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Can I encourage every single one of you? Dig into God's word. It's what you need living in your Babylon. Don't wait until you're 30-something and you're like, okay, that's when I'm really going to get into God's word. Dig into God's word now. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. To all of us, it's not just a message to the teens but I did want to have a moment. 
to all of us. Dive into God's word. Daniel knows truth. He knows the God of the Bible. He has a well that he can just draw from. And it's impressive. Three, seek the Lord in prayer. Cry out to the Lord in prayer in our day as we live in our Babylon. That's the response of faith. Our God is able. That's the response. We serve the King of Kings. Our God is able. I'm not trying to bolster up some sort of faith. I'm just trying to point you to who God is. And then from that, we say, our God is able. God is able to make himself known to a secular government. God is able to make himself known to an anti-God king. God is able. And if you believe that, if that is the God of Scripture, which it is, then respond. How? Pray. Pray. Seek God. Number four, go to sleep. This is so precious to me. Verse 19 again. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. I love the parable of the farmer. Parable of the farmer. His job, plant the seed, water the seed, right? And you know what the farmer does then? He goes to sleep. And God makes that seed grow, right? It's such a beautiful picture. A farmer, this is how I'm going to be sustained. There's nothing the man can do to make that seed come out of the ground except put it in the ground, water it, and go to sleep. Meaning, rest in who God is. He's the one that makes the seed to grow, to be of something, of substance, that's going to feed the family. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And it's Daniel. In the face of the threat of death, Daniel calls on his brothers, hey guys, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. Let's let's seek his mercy. And then he's able to rest and go to sleep. Can you sleep? Can you go to sleep? Go to sleep knowing God continues to work. You stirring through the night, not fixing anything. (laughs) You're not making that seed come out of the ground. You need to trust in your God who is king in Babylon. But what about, what? yeah, I mean, that's Dan- Daniel goes to sleep with the death sentence still hanging on his head. I love that he doesn't just run off to the king. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> Quick, <laughs> before that other guy, who forgot his name, shows up again, right? Like, like we got to get this done. In the face of the threat of death, Daniel sleeps. How solid of a foundation this young man has in his God. And then number five, return to the Lord in praise. What's the response to the deliverance that we have received? God saved Daniel and God saved me and God saved you. He made his mystery known to you and to me. Christ didn't remain at a distance. The king's wise men got it right. Verse 11, they said, the gods don't dwell with men. You're right. They don't dwell at all. They're silent in the story. They don't dwell at all, much less dwell with men. Praise be to our God 
Jesus came to dwell among us. This is your king. That we might now dwell with him. He is the vine. We're the branches. We dwell with him in Babylon. Praise him. Return to the Lord and praise to him. John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Praise him. God has revealed the mystery to you in Christ. Praise him. God has given you a heart to live for him while you're living in this world. Praise him. You desire to seek him today. You desire to pray and to live for his honor and his glory. Praise him. Jesus, like Daniel, was put to the test. He cried out for mercy as well. Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. God delivered Daniel from the threat of death, but he did not deliver his only son from the death of the cross because his death is what delivered you and I from our death. He was crucified because it was the will of the Father that you and I might be delivered from a far worse king, a far worse enemy. Christ died to deliver you and me from sin itself. And that's why the Lord answered Daniel's prayer and didn't answer Jesus' prayer. Praise him. Daniel's prayer was answered so he might be delivered and to live for him in his day. Jesus' prayer was left unanswered that we might be delivered and to live for him in our day. Praise him. What's your response to the good news living in Babylon? Praise him. Return to him again and again and praise him. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to do that very thing right now, to offer to you just once again to return as lepers, healed lepers from the leprosy of sin itself, having been delivered, having been shown the mystery that is Christ and that gospel salvation. Lord, we return for a moment before we run out the room to praise you.